Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. This is The Joe Martino Show. And today we are going to talk about change, specifically how do we change the filter that trauma in our childhood or at any point in our life brings to our lives? How do we change that filter? How do we move to more and more health, to consistently being more healthy? Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, so let's talk about change and trauma. Uh, One of the things that I love to talk about is change. One of the things that I think is necessary to talk about, but I don't necessarily love talking about, is trauma. I'm coming to the conclusion that more and more and more people are traumatized by our society, by the values that we're often espousing in our society. And one of the realities is that when we have wounds that we don't heal, that we don't process, we tend to create other wounds in other people. And, uh, I know as I talk to therapists, I'm, I'm hearing more and more about from them about the cases that they're seeing where people are experiencing pain and trauma from people in their lives who experience pain and trauma and fail to process it. And so what I want to talk about today is change, but I also I want to talk about it in the light of trauma, in the view of trauma. One of the things that happens when we experience trauma is that trauma becomes a filter that we tend to uh, filter our lives through. It becomes a filter that we see our lives through. It becomes a filter that we speak to ourselves through. It becomes a filter that guides our inner voice. And often it, it does so in a very negative way. It pushes it in a negative way. It, it turns our mindset, if you will, in a negative way, it creates a narrative of ourselves that is oftentimes re-traumatizing. And here's the rub for many of you. You might actually have that going on and you and, and typically our body comes to this defense of, yeah, but my life's pretty good. I've got a great spouse, great kids, a great life. Um, I got a good job. And there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, and I'd say in the last six to eight weeks, I've met with numerous people who have very good, successful lives. And, and I would in no way want to impinge or impugn on them the, the satisfaction of their lives. And yet often as we engage in conversation, there's these pockets of their lives that bubble up that can be very distressing, and that is often because of the trauma. Uh, A lot of times those uh, distressing parts that pop up are in connection to their, uh, those that they are most intimate with, their spouses, their children, etc. And the reason for that is we're not doing a good job in society of addressing, processing trauma. 
But in part, I think it's more of just this, we just lack patience. And it's okay, it's not, it's not necessarily, oh my goodness, we all lack patience. But by and large, people lack patience in how they get healthy, in what they do to, to become healthier. And, and one of the things that is a, you know, a message on repeat uh, that I hear from other therapists when they're talking about what they're going over with their clients, what I am talking about with my clients, is if you want different results, you have to do something different. One of the things that I frequently say, especially when I have like families come in, moms and, and adult children and dads and adult children, even couples, is we can spend like four months in therapy where you just go over each individual hurt. You can talk about all the things that the other person did or the other people did that hurt you. You can talk about all the ways that your child didn't do what you wanted them to do, that they grew up to become an adult that you don't like, that hurts you. And, and, and you can talk about all the ways that your parents let you down or you can do something about it. You probably won't get to do both, at least not you know one hour a week in therapy. And I always give them the choice, if you want to come in and you want to chase every fire and you want to talk about that thing that happened three years ago at Christmas, before you have any healthy tools to process it, we can do that. We, we can embrace that. We can engage that. We can live through that uh, one hour a week for the next four months. And we will use tools that got us here and that will keep us here. Because here is a difficult and painful truth that we must embrace if we're going to have change. And it may be more difficult for those of us who have experienced trauma. If you're going to experience change, you have to use tools. You have to, two, one of two things has to happen. You either have to use different tools to move you from where you're at to where you want to go. You have to use different tools that uh, will, will facilitate change in your life, different ways of communicating, different ways of interpreting, different ways of processing, or you have to use the tools that you have differently. You have to take the tools that you're currently using and change how you use them. I can use a hammer to build something, or I can use a hammer to destroy something. It's not really the tool, it's how I use it. And, and sometimes people come in and they have all the tools that they need for health, for, for change in their lives. What they lack is what we call way power. One of my former professors called way power. And, 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 the, and what we mean by that is, is the actual steps of how do I use this tool to change things. I could buy the fanciest, nicest pair of uh, hair, hair scissors that, that you can possibly buy. That doesn't mean that I would be good at cutting hair without training. I would need training in how to use that tool. And so one of the benefits of counseling is that you get to kind of figure out, do I need new tools or do I need to relearn or learn a new way to use the tools that I currently have? For a lot of people, it's both. You need a few new tools. You need to learn how to reorganize some of the tools that you currently have. And, and that's what I want to talk about today. If you want change, you're going to have to do something different than what you did that brought you to the place that you're at. That, that's the definition of change. And that's often what trips us up when we are discouraged, when we are hurt, when we are in pain. Uh, 
you know, you think about it, uh, let, you know, uh, I always make up the name Laura. So Laura's out there. I apologize. Or Kelly's. Uh, so, so Kelly gets, is getting divorced and her husband, soon to be ex-husband was hurtful to her. He hurt her. He did things that brought pain to her. Her temptation is often going to be to want to make him to hurt. And that's normal. It's actually, I think, okay. It's okay to want him to hurt. It's okay to, to want to talk badly about him to the children. It is okay to want to present uh, to anyone who will listen just her side of it. It's okay to want those things. But their manipulation, and most of the time, not all of the time, when we dig into a story of divorce, there are two people who brought a lot of mistakes to it and one of, to the relationship, and, and eventually that overcame them. And one of the things that they often uh, want to engage in through, through the divorce process is just blatant manipulation. Or a person who was abused as a child, let's say Jim was abused as a child, he might uh, eschew deep connection. He might not want to uh, feel uh, vulnerable again. So he keeps everybody at arm's length. And you're like, well, wait, he didn't do the abusing to himself. That's true. But often what happens is for a person who's been traumatized, they get caught in this this simultaneous uh, two states of being. On the one hand, they want to avoid as much as possible uh, being hurt again. They want to avoid as much as possible being exposed to the potential pain again. And on the other hand, they want real, true, deep intimacy. And you don't typically get real, true, deep intimacy by avoiding uh, by avoiding being vulnerable, by, 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 by manipulating your environment. And, and, you know, manipulation by and large has an immediate negative connotation. Uh, but, you know, if you think about it, it, the word also means like when you drive your car, you're manipulating it. You're manipulating the pedals. You're manipulating the wheel. You're manipulating the climate control. And, and often we try to manipulate our world to avoid the potential of past pains. And I want to be really clear on this. There is a distinction between like avoiding actual pain and avoiding the distinctions of pain. You know, if you're in a relationship, there's pain. One of the things that as I record this podcast, uh, I have a lot of pictures on my wall of my children. And I've been working a lot with parents of children who are, who are growing up. And, and there's pain there because to love your child is, is painful. And one of the things that happens is a mom who is used to controlling everything, a mom who is used to saying, you know, try to eliminate risk out of my child's life completely, when the child becomes an adult, they typically they push back against that. Or a dad. Uh, if we're honest, I think statistically it's probably more moms. If that upsets you, I apologize. But certainly dads are, 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 are with that too. And as I look at the pictures, there's this deep sense of, oh man, that memory was a fun time. There's a picture of my daughter and there's a picture of my son in a suit coat. That was such an awesome dinner. And then there's like, oh, but he's not that little anymore. My daughter is, is about to go to college. My other daughter, two daughters are both about to be in high school. And when we go out, the one daughter has boys that follow her and, and, and that's troublesome to me. And there's pain there. And then there's even deeper pain as children age. And if, if, if I'm coming at this with the idea of I'm going to eliminate the possibility of pain, I'm probably always going to have 
a box that almost all of my relationships fit in. And, and that's the thing when we start talking about change that has to be addressed. Most people get caught, they want intimacy, but they also want to control their relationship uh, constraints inside a box that prohibits or precludes the possibility of pain. I, I put up on my Facebook this week, how do we define reasonable risk? And I didn't really get any answers. I think it's because people probably thought I was talking about COVID and mask and all that business. And, and I wasn't actually, but I, I, I want, whenever I do stuff like that, I try to keep it as broad as possible to facilitate as much conversation as possible. What I was actually talking about was relationships all come with risk. And so there has to be some level of what we call uh, what we call reasonable risk. What we, what we would say is, hey, here's the thing. This is necessary for health, for wellness. There is a level of reasonable risk that I am willing to um, embrace. I'm trying to peel a piece of tape up off my desk. You're just going to get the full ADHD version of Joe today. I wasn't going to record an episode today. Uh, I had some other things that I wanted to get done, and, and I, it, I just feel like I should record. I'm behind on my recordings. At one point, I was ahead on both my recordings and my blog posts. Now I'm behind on both. Hopefully tomorrow I'll catch up. If you are interested in getting my blog post, go to joemartino.com. There is a subscribe button. Put in your email address and you will get a, well, probably about once a week, you'll get a blog post article mailed directly to your inbox. There for you when you wake up in the morning. But as I embrace relationships, there is a level of reasonable risk that everyone assumes. One of the things that is currently happening in our society is we are making that reasonable risk less. And certainly we could talk about it in light of coronavirus. We could talk about it in light of mask wearing. We could talk about it in light of those things, but I'm just sick of those conversations and I don't want to do it in this medium. But we do have to talk about it in light of relationships. As I've said before, to love anything is to invite pain. A friend of mine said that. I quote it regularly uh, and it's truth. If you want change, here's the first step. You have to admit that what you have needs changed. So if you were assaulted, you need to find somebody you trust and say it out loud. If you have obsessive thoughts about things that scare you, you need to find somebody you trust and say it out loud. You have to admit it. And I know that that's a terrifying step for many people. In just the last month, I've had more clients than I could count. Say, like just take up an entire session to tell me one sentence because they're scared and they're afraid and saying it out loud. There's an entire narrative in their head about what it means if they say it out loud. And so they don't say it out loud. They don't tell it to people. Some people have said things to me that I've literally asked them in the past, like, hey, did this happen? No. And then it turns out it did. And, and the reason that they say no, the reason that we pull that back is because the story in our head, it's, 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 there's shame involved. Well, you're going to think I'm gross because I think I'm gross. You're going to think I'm terrible because I think I'm terrible. You're going to think I'm awful because I think I'm awful. And if you want change, you need to say it out loud because there's an old saying that I heard when I was a child that the wolf in our head is far more dangerous than the wolf in the field. And, and that becomes a truth you have to embrace. And by saying it out loud, we rob it of some of its power. In fact, I'd suggest that often saying it out loud robs it of most of its power. If you're not happy with your sex life with your spouse, you need to say that out loud. 
I'm not happy with our sex life. I'm happy with you. I love you. I'm happy with our life. But our sex life isn't what I would like it to be. If you're not happy with your intimate life, and those are different, that's different than your sex life. Those are two separate things. You need to voice that. And you need to accept the fact that it might come from some sort of trauma in your spouse's past. In fact, I would suggest that most sexual dysfunction, almost everyone I meet who, who is either involved in sexual dysfunction in the past, uh, is currently involved in sexual dysfunction, there's some sort of trauma in their past. And, you know, that, that, that can help frame it in a way that makes some of your most frustrating aspects of your life more understandable. And once you name it, then you can start to process it and overcome it. Because here's the thing, in order for change to happen most of the time, especially when we're talking about change where we're moving from a traumatized lens of living to a healthy lens of living, we don't take the trauma away. It doesn't make the pain less. It doesn't disconnect the pain. Uh, it doesn't change the event or events that led to the trauma. They're still there. But what it does do is it, uh, it creates an environment that allows you to be healthy because you, you process past, you supersede, you overcome, you transcend the trauma that was done to you. You transcend the consequences of that trauma. And so now we need to step back and we have to kind of define what that means. What does change actually mean? And here's what I think is a good working definition of change in relation to trauma. When you heal, when you process, the trauma no longer defines all of your life. It defines something that happened to you. And, and, and one of the things that, you know, when we talk about this in the room, sometimes I'll get pushback from clients. They'll be like, well, it doesn't define all of my life. And I'll, I'll agree, but it touches all aspects of their lives. And usually, if I let them talk long enough, they'll come to that conclusion on their own and be like, oh... And so as we process through trauma, as we process through trauma to move to change, as we embrace the change process, one of the things that we're looking for is we're not looking to remove the trauma because that's impossible. If I accidentally break my leg, I can't remove that trauma even when, in fact, I did break my leg in sixth grade. And if you took an x-ray right now, somebody who knew how to read x-rays would be able to look at my leg and be like, oh, right there, you broke it and it rehealed. Uh, when I die, eventually, of course, my body will rot and my bones will just be there. Um, and, and someone who knows how to look at a skeleton will be able to look at my leg and be like, oh, look, this skeleton uh, broke his leg or her leg. I, I know they can look. They can even look like your bone structure and tell what you were gender-wise. Uh, and, and, and that's the same thing with emotional traumas. And so one of the things, though, that happens is we tend to think of trauma as this great big giant thing, like, oh, I had to be sexually abused. I had to have an abusive father or an alcoholic mother. Or, or, and that last one right there, alcoholic parent, a lot of people don't view that as trauma. Well, you know, my parents drank a lot, but they weren't alcoholics. Or, well, my parents did drink a lot, and they were alcoholics, but I'm okay. And that's true. You probably are okay, but are you the best version of yourself that you could be in your own mind, forget other people, just in your own mind. Do you have peace? Do you have joy? Do you have kindness? Do you have goodness? Are these things running in your mind when you talk about yourself to yourself? Or maybe you didn't have any of that. Maybe no one sexually assaulted you. Maybe your parents weren't drunks. In fact, maybe they were just hyper-religious. And I'm probably going to upset some of my local listeners here. But maybe your parents were just very religious. 
And so they were often uh, in, in an honest attempt to, to keep you on a line direction. They, they, they consistently pushed you in a way that sounded a lot like criticism. Or maybe you just had a hypercritical parent. Maybe you had a mom that was more concerned about your weight than she was your mental health. Maybe you had a dad that was more concerned about your weight than your mental health or your sports ability or your academic ability or whatever. And so now as an adult, you have this negative narrative that runs in your head all the time. I'm going to suggest two things. If a negative narrative runs in your head more often than a positive one does, you have some opportunity for growth to become healthy. And two, it's okay to call whatever created that negative narrative trauma, because it probably is. And it's okay. It doesn't mean you're messed up. It doesn't mean you're gross. It doesn't mean you're crazy. It doesn't mean there's something fundamentally wrong with you. It just means that you experienced something that created a narrative in your head that has to be changed. So, so most of the time when I talk with people about this, about this point, they kind of have an idea in their own head about some things that have happened to them. They have an idea in their head about how they talk to themselves. And I encourage them typically to say out loud, my name is, so I want you to do this with me. Say it out loud. My name is, and then say your first, middle, and last name. My name is, and blank, fill in the blank, happened to me. And I am okay. I am enough. I'm not, and then whatever that negative talk is. And then I am, whatever the opposite of that negative talk is. Because there are a lot of brilliant, beautiful, creative, smart, uh, kind-hearted people walking around with a narrative in their head that they're just screwing up all the time. They're screwing their kids up. They're screwing their neighbor up, their spouse up. Whatever it is they're doing, they're screwing it up. And one of the things that happens as, as, as we re- lean into this is, is I actually think one of the reasons we could talk about a society that certainly seems to be more anxious I read an article yesterday that that says our society is uh, 50% more anxious than we were 50 years ago, which is an incredible statistical anomaly. Was the whole point of the article is actually a psychologist and a mathematician putting those two articles together or putting their two skills together to write that article. And I don't know if it's true or not. To be honest with you, the math was a little bit above my ability um, it was some high math, but I do know that we certainly have a very anxious society, and part of that is is because when you are stuck trying to figure out how do you mitigate, air quotes here, not screwing everything up, end air quotes, your radar is constantly on. Your anxiety system is constantly switched on, and you're just running. It's just running on you, and there's not a lot you can do to slow it down, and you have to be able to slow it down. So you, you got to start with just naming whatever it is. I had a client one time who was uh, abused as a child. His dad threw him through a door. Uh, his dad beat him. His dad slammed him into a wall, knocked him out. And I said to him, I said, do you think you could say out loud, my name is, and I was abused as a kid. And I mean, tears. And this is an alpha male, uh, uh, that's probably irrelevant, but but probably not somebody who cried out. I mean, instantaneous tears streaming down his face. I don't think I could say that. Okay, let's talk about that. And so we did. So we started to talk about that, and we started to pull at these strings. 
And as we did that, over about four or five weeks, he finally came in a week. He sat down and he said, hold on. I always start each session with, how was your week? And is there anything we want to make sure we talk about? Before I even got that, I said, hold on. My name is Will Smith, not his real name, obviously. Well, I guess it could be. My name is Will Smith, and I was abused by my father as a kid. And I was like, wow, tell me about that. And, and so we start talking about, we start talking about not the abuse, but about how empowered he felt by saying, this is what happened to me. Because once we admit it happens to us, it happened to us, or something happened to us, or that we went through some level of trauma, we can then embrace the real possibility of changing it. My name is Lisa, and my dad was not abusive physically, but he was verbally and emotionally abusive. He treated me and my mom terribly. Awesome, Lisa. Now you have power. You've always had the power, but now you've empowered yourself to be able to make necessary changes for health in your life by admitting that there was a trauma. When we don't say it, it's kind of like having a cold and being like, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. What do we do? We, we spread the cold around. We share the cold. And so whatever your name is, say it out loud. And if there's a trauma, if there's something that formed an overwhelming negative narrative in your head, say it out loud. This happened to me. And then say, but I don't have to be defined by it. That's just the first step. There's a lot of other steps there. There's a lot of other things, obviously, there has to be a, an embracing of the painfulness of change. There has to be a rooting out of the lies that run through our head about ourselves and how, and, and then not just a, oh, hey, I say, I think this a lot. I'm going to screw everything up. That's, that's, that's good, but we also want to treat that. But the reality is I, I don't screw a lot of things up. I actually am pretty good at, at, at delivering on what I say I'm going to do. You know, I, I have these weaknesses or I have these things, that I, these mistakes I've made in the past, but I've made them right. And we have to take active ownership of our own identity by taking active ownership of the voice that runs in our heads. I think one of the biggest issues facing us today is the question of, am I truly loved? Am I deeply loved? Am I worthy of love? Because part of the byproduct, and I'm, I'm, I really want to avoid, you know, I think some of the current affairs, political conversations, but part of the byproduct of our cancel culture is many people, if they make a mistake, they feel like it's over. I'm done. What I want to do with my life is over. And that is something we have to wrestle with because everyone is worthy of love. Not everyone, unfortunately, is deeply loved. But everyone is worthy of deep love. Everyone, including you, my friend. In fact, the whole point of this entire podcast is that we want people to be as healthy as possible. And so today, I want to just encourage you, if there's a part of your life that is hitching you up, it's binding you up, it's dragging you back, just stand up and say, hey, my name is, and this happened to me. If you need to call a counselor, do that. Uh... We would love to help you at our office if it's possible, if it's, a, if it's available and feasible for you, um, because we want you to live to your fullest potential, to your ultimate health. All right. Uh, thanks so much for listening. If you find value in this, please share it with your friends, share it via social media. Uh, I do appreciate that. That is the best um, 
way that we can share this with people. And uh, if you have a question, email me, joe at joemartino.com. If you don't like it, email me. Tell me what you didn't like. I'd appreciate that as well. Or tell me what you did like. Either way. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.